Well, good morning, and again, welcome here on the last Sunday of 2018. It's uh, crazy how fast time can go by and we see another year gone. Uh, I hope you guys all had a great Christmas. Christmas is an awesome time. It's one of my favorite times of year, and for many of us, it is our favorite season. Uh, And we all come celebrating, gathering around the same thing, that Christ is born, and that is what we rejoice in. Yet we each have our own kind of personal family traditions that we look forward to, and uh, almost year after year, we can kind of predict how the holidays are going to go. But uh, every now and then, you get a little curveball in there. And uh, for me and my Christmas, this was a curveball year. (laughs) Uh, December 19th, Kendra and I went into the hospital, just thinking we're going to do a little precautionary visit. Nurse comes in, does some testing, looks at us, and asks us, uh, so when is your guys' due date? Uh, January 19th? Hmm. Not anymore. (laughs) And the next day, (laughs) we met our little boy. Surprised us by coming a whole month early, uh, but he's doing well. We spent the next eight days in the hospital, um, but there's never really any major concern or risks. He's just been getting stronger every day, and we've been home for two days now. Uh, Little Hudson Daniel, born December 20th, weighing five pounds and four ounces. So, he's... (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) And I think he's watching online this morning, so, (laughs) hey, little man. Uh, There are many lessons that I've already been learning throughout these last 10 days, Uh, but one of them stands out in particular. Roughly about eight months ago, when we first found out that we were going to be having a baby, and kind of shortly after this Christmas season, I kind of predetermined the lessons that God was going to teach me. I expected that he was going to be teaching me something about uh, great anticipation, about this you know, long-awaited birth of a child and how I'd be able to relate to the Christmas story in some kind of new, uh, remarkable level. Uh, but as one of these nights, as I was uh, sitting in the hospital, I was contemplating this lesson that I never really did learn, and God brought to mind... Uh, a different lesson. He said, it's, it's not uh, the first coming that I want you to be thinking about. It's the second. Because uh, even though I knew that my baby was going to be born, and uh, I could kind of anticipate and expect that arrival, when he did come, I was very shocked and all of a sudden felt very unprepared for this very significant moment. Similarly, I think we'll be a little caught off guard when Christ comes again. All of this to say that New Year's kind of naturally brings us into this time of reflection, reflecting upon the events that have happened in this past year and uh, the lessons that we have learned and what we can look forward to in this coming year to what we will learn next. So this morning, I want to spend some time kind of discovering some biblical guidelines for self-reflection. 
but before we go any farther, let's just pause for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we rejoice. We rejoice that you are here and you are with us as we have already been focusing on this morning. Uh, and Lord, we uh, delight that you desire to have a relationship with us. So Lord, whatever this past year has brought for us, through the difficulties and through the victories, uh, we trust that you have been with us just as you have promised. And Lord, we believe that you'll continue to be with us in this new year as well. So Lord, would you give us soft hearts and open ears to receive your word this morning. Amen. Before we get into some guidelines, we need to look at a starting point. Where do we begin in all of this? I'm turning to Proverbs 27, verse 19. It says, As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. And at first glance, we can see the beautiful truth of this passage that uh, as you look in your reflection, you can see the physical appearance. But in order to really get to know someone, to understand who they are, you have to look at their heart. And that is true. But I think there's an even more accurate meaning to this passage. I think there's a greater truth to be discovered. I believe that Solomon was saying that as we look at the reflection of one man, we can see the picture of all of humanity. As we look into water, uh, kind of blurred by the ripples, bent by the light, uh, you can see the reflection of a face. But that face may not be that much different than the face next to yours. We may not be able to make those minute feature dis uh, distinguishes between one another. You might not be able to recognize your face from the face next to you in the reflection of water. Furthermore, he is saying that as we look into the heart of man, the heart of humanity is being exposed in our sinfulness. We discover the true condition of mankind. Now, this is visible from one person to the next, meaning that as we look to our neighbor, uh, whatever you can discover within them is going to be discoverable in yourself as well, to some extent. Maybe not exactly the same way, but if you get to the root of it, what you see in the people around you can be found in yourself as well. For the heart of man reflects all of mankind. There is this innate human nature that we have been born with. So the question we need to be asking ourselves is, how are we comparing to this human nature? What is the condition of our heart? You know, it's interesting that if you walk past a mirror, it's really hard to not look into it. And there's multiple times a day where we intentionally look into the mirror. And I think we all know that if you look into a mirror, you're trying to find some of those physical blemishes in yourself that you might have. To see if your hair is in order, to see if that zit has cleared up, to see if I trimmed my beard evenly. Uh, when we look into the mirror, these imperfections stand out almost immediately. But more than that, we know how to solve the problem. We know how to take care of these blemishes. Hopefully, you can see where I'm going with this, that what would our hearts be like 
if we spend as much time looking at our heart as we did in a physical mirror, discovering our spiritual blemishes, and even more, what if we spent so much time doing it that we knew exactly how to respond to them when we discovered them? If you have, an, if you have resolutions you want to make this year, specifically physical ones, which are some of the most common ones, whether eating healthier or getting more exercise, I will never discourage you from that, and it's important that we stay healthy, but more than that, I want to challenge you to be making a spiritual resolution as well. Our physical health is important, but there's also the mental, emotional, relational, and perhaps the most important, our spiritual health, to be considering in this new year as well. So as we look at some guidelines, we need to begin with a humble and honest examination of ourselves. In order to get anything out of this practice of self-reflection, <clears throat> we need to be willing to engage with it in an honest level, knowing that it could very well make us feel uncomfortable, but the only way for growth is to be digging into that. Uh, and as my old football coach used to tell me every day, you only get out as much as you put in. So if you're seeking change and growth in this new year, you have to be ready to do the work for it. Galatians 6, chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 3, tells us that if we think that we are something when we are nothing, we are deceiving ourselves. Romans 12, verse 3 says, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to. It's in our human nature to always try and put our best foot forward, to always try and give the best image of ourselves as we can, even if it means we do a little white lie, maybe we round the numbers in our favor just to make ourselves look just a little bit better. We like to bend the truth. Uh, perhaps it's most obvious in our social media. Everything is cropped and edited, and uh, we only reveal the best parts of ourselves. Uh, but likewise, if we want to truly engage in a healthy discipline of self-reflection, we have to be real with ourselves. If we think we're going to go to the gym and totally transform our bodies, you know, double our muscle tone, but we only commit to spend increasing our workout by like 5%, you're only going to increase your muscle tone by 5%. We have to be realistic with the numbers we're looking at here. In order to make real progress, we have to make a real assessment. Otherwise, we're only hurting ourselves. The next guideline is uh, stop looking at the flaws in other people. Matthew chapter 7, verse 4, verse 4. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? Funny how it's always so much easier to notice the blemishes in other people than it is in ourselves. It's actually really easy. Sometimes it can even be a little bit fun. Uh, but... Uh, Seeing the faults in other people kind of helps make us feel not as bad. It's far easier to justify our own behaviors if we see someone else doing it first. It's easier to take a cheat day if you see someone else taking two. But, again, we need to remember that what we see in the people around us can be discovered in ourselves as well. So be careful how you're viewing other people. Ultimately, Self-reflection is for the self. It's not for the pews around you. 
So in our moments of self-reflection in the next coming days, keep it focused inward. The last guideline I want to look at for now is to pray for the Spirit. Psalm 131, uh, sorry, 139, verse 1. You have searched me and known me. Psalm 26, 2. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind. And whether we are comfortable with it or not, God already knows our hearts. He knows everything within us and everything about us. He knows what condition our heart is in. He knows our flaws. He knows very well what he would like us to be working on in this new year. So perhaps we should ask him. And yes, as if we can't find enough flaws in ourselves, as is, we are going to ask to receive more. But they're not going to go away until they're dealt with. This can be a terrifying thing. But I encourage you to make these psalms your prayers. Uh, They're often very effective prayers because God will be quick to answer them because God desires for our hearts to be transformed and renewed. So pray with an open heart and an open mind and trusting that the things that come to your mind, God is not bringing to you to weigh you down. Uh, He's bringing them to your mind so that you can be freed from them. Freed and transformed is God's purpose. So let's ask ourselves the question, why do we reflect at all in the first place? What is, what is the great purpose of this? As we reflect on ourselves, there's one thing, just one thing that I desperately hope that we will discover. As you reflect on yourself, can you see that Jesus Christ is being reflected through you? Self-reflection is not about becoming the best version of you that you can be. Rather, as we reflect on yourselves, can we see that Christ is reflected through us? There are two sides of this coin. As we engage in self-reflection, we are to discover and remove the human nature that we find within ourselves. Yet, we are also called to reflect the image of Christ. So I encourage you, if you're having difficulty seeing Christ in yourself, simply invite him in, and he will come. For we are never meant to reflect our own image. For we were made in the image of God, as Genesis 1.26 tells us, and we were intended to reflect God's own character. Now this was flawed very early on, as we know, as sin was introduced into our world, But yet, through God's redemptive story, through Jesus Christ working in us, we are again being called back to reflect that exact image of Christ himself. 2 Corinthians 5.20 tells us that we are ambassadors for Christ, that we are his representation in this world, and that we are the ones who carry this message of reconciliation, this message of salvation that is for all people, God has entrusted us, his own people, to deliver that message. Typically, the people around us aren't going to figure it out by themselves just by looking at us. It requires intentional interaction with those around us and able to explain it to them. We need to recognize that God is using his people as tools of communication and representation 
of his message and his good character. And in order to represent the character of Christ, we need to be imitators of Christ. 1 John 2.6, whoever says he abides in him, that is Christ, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And not just try to walk it, but we ought to in the very same way that Christ did. We reflect in order to discover if we have been abiding in Christ the same way that we thought we had been. And then we strive to make the appropriate corrections. But who are we to walk as Jesus walked? I mean, I've never walked on water before, and I'm guessing you haven't either. Uh, Jesus is God, and we are not. However, it's not necessarily this extraordinary, supernatural, miraculous life and walk that we are called to imitate. Rather, it's the everyday life of Jesus that we're supposed to strive after. His love, his forgiveness, his service, his holiness, his compassion. We recently just finished a series on the fruit of the Spirit. Those are the characteristics and qualities that we are being called to imitate. But even in this, Jesus lived like no other man has. So how can we possibly walk as he did. How can we reflect Christ while we're still reflecting our human nature? This is the reality of it. Those who have received Christ have exchanged their human hearts for the very heart of Christ. We have Christ dwelling within ourselves. 2 Corinthians 3.18 And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Christ-like transformation is an ongoing process. Uh, what has occurred already is this exchange of hearts. We have traded in our human heart, our old self, this human nature, this sinful nature, and we have taken on the image of Christ. We have taken in Christ's own heart. But what needs to keep happening is each year we need to be getting closer and closer to a more proper, more accurate image or reflection of Christ's character. So if we were to ever make a New Year's resolution... This is what it needs to be centered on, the character of Christ and how we are matching up to that. Okay, so here's the tough news, is that we don't just get to pick and choose what times we are reflecting Christ. We can't say that tomorrow morning I'm going to go out Tim Horn's drive through and pay for the order behind me and say that I have properly represented Christ today. For though that is an awesome thing, and it does demonstrate Christ's character, especially his generosity and, and love for strangers, uh, and I think that's a great thing to do, but we need to realize that as you keep driving on to work or wherever else you're going, throughout that whole day, you are still representing Christ. It's just a matter of whether we realize it or not. 
every moment of every day. We can't turn it on and off. If we are Christians, it's only a matter of how accurate our reflection is. We are constantly reflecting the image of Christ. It's just a question as if our reflection is a good one. This is important because people notice. People notice how we live our lives. People notice how we respond to stressful circumstances. Uh, I think we've all seen enough poor examples of this, especially through the media, of how people who claim the name of Christ have embarrassed us. Um, So I think it's time we hear a good example. I knew a guy, his name was Jesse. Uh, He went to Jamaica with the intention of representing Christ and showing the love of Christ to the community he was serving in. After a few days of uh, being out on the street doing street ministry, when he was you know, done for the day, he was just going about doing his own thing and not really being intentional uh, with who he was engaging with. There's this guy that came running up to him, some stranger, and said, hey, you're that Jesus guy. You look just like Jesus. Now, Jesse went away from that day feeling discouraged because he had really long hair and he had a nice beard and he kind of looked like the image of Jesus that we kind of see pictures of. So feeling frustrated and discouraged, he went home, cut off all his hair, shaved his beard. His wife could hardly recognize him anymore and he was like, there, now people will stop thinking that I'm trying to look like Jesus and realize that I'm trying to bring the message of who Jesus really is. So a few days later, he went out completely unrecognizable, and the same man finds him, says, hey, Jesus man. Jesse goes up to him and tries to explain again. He's like, no, I'm not trying to look like a picture of Jesus. I'm trying to tell you about who Jesus is. Like, that's why I cut my hair so that you guys would understand the message I'm trying to bring to you. This guy looks at him and says, oh, it wasn't your hair. I can see Jesus in your eyes. It's got to be one of the biggest compliments you could ever receive. Now, Jesse went back from that day feeling on fire for the work of the Holy Spirit, whether Jesse was on duty or off duty, whether he was trying to teach Christ to people or not. He was representing the image of Christ at all times. Though he was still pretty bummed, he cut his hair for no reason. Um, Portraying the character of Christ is not so much about the deeds that we accomplish as it is about the mindset and the attitude in which we approach them with. Our character and our heart are visible to all that we interact with. It's the heart that is reflected from us that they will see who Christ is, whether it's our human nature or a proper representation of Jesus himself. The image of Christ represented in us is ultimately the work of the Holy Spirit, yet that does not exempt us from responsibility, for we all have a very important role to play Um, a role that Jesse knew very well and a role that each one of us need to take on. The role of denying ourselves 
Mark 8.34. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Because it's not about us. It's never been about us. It's all about him. It's about Christ. This old nature that is within us, the human nature, is what we are called to utterly reject. Have nothing to do with it. None at all. That part of you that says, me first, I'm the important one, I want my way, that's the part we're to cast aside and fill it with the heart of Christ. This time of reflection and these resolutions for the new year are not to be focused so much on us personally, but on how Christ can work and be represented through us. And as we do this, the qualities of Christ will continue to unfold more and more. Uh, It takes practice. It takes sacrifice. It takes perseverance. But the more we press into it, the more results that we will see that Jesus is truly transforming us in our day-to-day living. Which is why projecting to the year ahead is so beneficial. It helps us to set a goal, set a target to work towards. It helps to keep us focused So in the next few days, as we celebrate this new year, I challenge you to reflect back on this year, discover one part of your humanness that you need to set aside, and one characteristic of Christ that you would like to be wearing more often. Most likely we'll be able to discover more than one of these, uh, but the more goals that we set, the less we accomplish. So we'll try and keep it streamlined. Allow me to briefly share just one example of how I've been reflecting on my own life this year. A few months ago, I went to the bank after hours. It was dark. Uh, Just went in to withdraw some cash. And as I walked in the entryway, I saw that there is a man sleeping on the floor in the entryway. You could tell he had nowhere else to go. It was a cold night. He wasn't bothering anyone, just sleeping. Yet this large uncomfortability kind of came over me as I tiptoed around him. I continued my banking and contemplated, what could I do, or maybe better, what should I do in this situation? Another guy was there, finished his banking, uh, looked at the man, paused for a little bit, and walked out. As I finished and left, I noticed that this other man had slipped a $5 bill in his hands for him to find when he wakes up. It was a kind gesture, and I kind of thought about doing it myself, but when I saw it, uh, my heart broke a little. To see that uh, this man was valued at such a little amount speaks very little to the respect that this man deserves. Needless to say, I walked out myself, having done nothing at all. Now, this is a very simple story. It could have happened to any one of us. Yet, every time I think about it, it still bothers me. Whether it's a large event or a small event, complex or simple story we are reflecting on this year, it's the ones that bother us that are saying that there is something wrong with this picture and something better that can be done about it. I don't have any remarkable revelations from this event, but this is what I have concluded from it so far. I want to commit to removing my own hesitations and false justifications. 
I spend too much time contemplating what could be done or what should be done, but in the end, do nothing at all. <clears throat> I hesitate, and my mind falsely justifies that it's okay to leave things the way they are. I want to keep the broken spirit. I want to keep the convictions that I have. But more than that, I want to do something about it. And there are various opinions about what would actually be helpful in a situation like this. Ultimately, I've decided that anything would be better than nothing. Because Christ does not pass by people. Most significantly, I recognize that this man, too, is an image-bearer of God. Whether his heart has been transformed or not, he has been made in the image of God, and that deserves a standard of respect. Jesus has a tendency of helping the lowly, recognizing the immense value that he has in them. That is what I want to express. That's what I want to commit to this year for myself. Having the eyes of Christ, being able to see the same value in all people that Jesus does, and then discovering ways to make them aware of it. So whatever your story is, I, take, I encourage you to take some time tomorrow and the next day. doesn't have to be long, but make it intentional to give an honest and humble reflection of this year in order to discover how we can become more Christ-like in our day-to-day. -day. Remembering that we are constantly representing Christ, and it's only a matter of how accurate our reflection of Him is. Then let's return to the mirror often. We can constantly be developing these muscles that guide us into transformational growth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess to you our faults and our flaws. We recognize our failures and that we still stumble. Lord, even though we desire to do good, we desire to be like you, we desire to live like you, uh, we still struggle. So Lord, we pray for the strength of the Spirit to empower us, to equip us to be proper representations of your very own character. Lord, would you help us in our times of reflection this year? And Lord, would you fill our minds with truth and reveal to us what you would have us to work on in this year to come? Lord, we desire to glorify your name. We declare it is not about us, but it is about you. As by the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.